Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you all so much for the many things you've already blessed us with this day. Now the awesome opportunity once again to get back into your word. Help us now as we do that to understand it, apply it in the right way. And know that we need to get busy because you've given us that opportunity to get out there and get busy. Motivate all of us to do that very thing. Thank you so much for all of it as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Kind of struggled with the title on this one because it covers a couple different subjects. Um, Come up with time here is running out. The time that we are in, this dispensation, if you go into biblical studies, this dispensation of time is running out. We are limited. And then it expands to our lives. We were speaking earlier about how quickly children grow up, and we ourselves, it seems like time flies by so quickly. And from my own experience, it seems like once you pass the 60 mark, it just accelerates. I mean, just sliding on ice, you're going really fast after that. And there you go. And uh, some of y'all can definitely testify to, to that. It's just amazing. You go back and look at stuff. And, well, it's, for instance, uh, you go pull something out of the refrigerator and you're thinking, well, this has got to still be fresh. And you look at the date on it and it's like six months expired. Like, phew, that was a quick six months. So it just seems to be flying by so quickly. James understood this and he wrote about our attitude that we need to have concerning how much time we got and what we should be doing and what we should be thinking about and so forth. In James chapter 4, because we know the time is running now, because we know that when we die we're going to be judged, we need to, as he says here in James chapter 4, picking it up in verse 7, "...submit yourselves therefore to God." Resist the devil and he will flee from you. See, we have power over the devil by the power of Jesus Christ who has indwelt us with the Holy Ghost. Therefore, if we resist the devil, he has to flee from us. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. That means draw close to. The closer you get to him, the better your relationship is. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded." We can get a new mind by listening to the guidance of the Holy Ghost, and we can become purified by the cleansing of our sins away by the blood of Jesus Christ. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Like, well, why wouldn't we want to be happy and joyful and and not be mourning? The He's pointing out the seriousness of our life, not just to be thinking of it as a time to have festivities and parties and celebrations, but to be serious, basically what he's saying. Get serious. Know the importance of everything. Verse 10, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. Way too many people get puffed up with arrogance, with a haughtiness, with an self-righteousness, and they wind up drawn away from God because they're standing on their own righteousness. Verse 11, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. Notice, he says, brethren. This is Christians talking bad about other Christians. Cutting them down instead of building them up. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother 
speaketh evil of the law, and judgest the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. We cannot judge in the form that he's speaking of here, which is condemnation. We are told that we need to look at someone and examine their lives and determine whether they are Christian or non-Christian by their fruits, by their works, to know how we can deal with that individual, to know how we can help them or relate to them. That kind of judging, what most people would think about as being judging, we are told to do. But when it comes to condemning someone, we cannot condemn someone because that comes back on us. We get condemned as well. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy, who art thou that judgest another. Talking about Jesus Christ is the one that condemns, not us. We cannot step up and try to do that. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Here he's pointing out how a lot of people have this long-term plan for their life. They got it all figured out and they got it all planted, all sorted out and so forth. Society would have you do that to make what's common, the five-year plan. What is your five-year plan? And you lay it all out, what you want to do, or even your lifelong plan. Especially in the young, youngsters, they try to get them to start planning their whole lives out when they're in public schools and grade school and all the way up to colleges especially. But so many of them, they say, yes, we're going to do this, and they listen to a guidance counselor or whatever, and they lay it all out, and they're going to take this, and they get that degree, and then they wind up doing something that's totally different than what they studied. You can't always make the plans. Should we have a plan? Yes, a plan to be with the Lord, a plan to have rewards in heaven, a plan to please the Lord, a plan day by day to find out what the Lord wants us to do and do that. Get our own plans out of the way. Let the Lord's plans come forward. I had all kinds of plans about my ministry. I got into the ministry as a preacher on the radio and on the Internet, and I was a construction worker. I had my own company going. I was content. That's what I was going to do. I wasn't going to be a pastor. Next thing I know, the Lord calls me to be a pastor, and I become a pastor because that was the Lord's plans. So we got to follow the Lord's plans, not our own plans. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Notice it says continue there a year. Getting back onto the subject of the time. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away reminding us that we might have these long-term plans all laid out, but we might not have that long-term ahead of us. We've got to cherish each day that we have. It may be the last day that we have, either because we ourselves pass away or the rapture occurs. Therefore, the importance is on the moment. What are you doing right now to please the Lord? Focus on the Lord, not on ourselves or on our long-term plans here on this planet because this time is running out. Read that 14 again. Whereas ye know not what shall be on tomorrow. We don't know if we even have a tomorrow here. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. 
like a vapor. It just disperses into the air and just gone. Here for a moment and gone. Can't even see it no more. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. That's the whole key to all this. Be in the perfect will of the Lord. Go ahead and make your plans. Because see, he didn't say anything about not making plans. But put the Lord in those plans. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. So you can make your long-term plan here in this world, all laid out to bring honor and glory to the Lord through your entire life. And if it be His will, you will do those things that you have planned to serve the Lord. And be submissive to the Lord. Submit yourselves therefore to God. And He will direct you in the way that He wants you to go, even though you might have a lot of other plans this way or that way, and He might say, no, we're going over this way. Be submissive to that and go the way He wants you to go. And it's going to fly by so quickly. Our lives go by so quickly. It's amazing. Even the millennial period that we were reading about earlier in Revelation, is going to, a thousand years, it's going to be so fleeting away. It's going to be gone so quickly. But the key thing is that if we live our lives to please the Lord, if we live our lives to be in His will instead of our will, then we can be looking forward to Judgment Day. We can be entering into that without fear. And in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 as it reads, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. We were speaking of these judgments earlier in the book of Revelation about the great white throne judgment and so forth. So everyone's going to be judged for what they have done. What have their works been? Whether they be good or evil. You're either going to suffer some loss and some punishment or you be given a reward. And this applies to the Christians as well. Because as we know in Corinthians, it speaks of the wood, hay, and the stubble being burned away. The works that we do that are not for the Lord, but are for ourselves, are just going to be burned away. That was worthless. Those works didn't mean anything. But the gold, silver, and precious stones that he speaks of, that's the works that were done for the Lord. That's what we got to always strive for. What can we achieve for the Lord and also understand that it isn't that you have to, it's that you get to do that. He gives us an opportunity to do that in order to gain rewards that we can use later. Like it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Every single thing that you have done in your body since you've become born-again Christian is going to be examined very closely. When you become born-again Christian, everything you've done from that point back to your conception is erased, all the sins erased, washed away completely. But from the moment you get saved to the moment of judgment, everything is going to be looked at. If you have stumbled, if you have fallen away, if you've messed up, Take it to the Lord and get it washed away so it's not held against you. And all the good stuff that you've done through that entire period will be looked at and be judged. And all the things that you did that you did not ask forgiveness for will be looked at and be judged. 
Some of those things that you did that you did not get judgment, I mean, excuse me, some of those things that you did that you did not ask forgiveness for, you will be judged for. You will be suffering loss of the rewards that you would have had. When we're there at judgment, you're going to see this big heap and big pile and say, this is what I had in store for you and had in mind for you to, to achieve and accumulate and have for eternity, but this is what you developed. You know, you want them to be equal. You want them to be the same. You want to be able to have all the rewards that the Lord wants to put upon us because there is so much ahead of us. Like we've been studying the book of Revelation about eternity and so forth, about what we have to look forward to in the millennial kingdom and in the eternal state, way, way more than what we have here now. This, like I said, is a vapor. It's gone away so quickly. This, if you've been in the military, it's kind of like basic training. It's kind of like boot camp. This is just the beginning of what we're going to go into later. So do your best now so that you can carry over more into the next. Such an awesome opportunity. And we need to be submissive. We need to submit ourselves to Him. Like Romans chapter 12, Paul writing this to the church at Rome, verse 1 because I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's only reasonable that we would sacrifice ourselves to Him because He sacrificed Himself to us. He gives us the opportunity to do that. I'm not talking about kill yourself. I'm talking about Separate yourself from the flesh and become of the Spirit. Submit yourself completely to God. That's the sacrifice that he's talking about. Sacrificing our own will, our own desires, our own lustful desires. Get rid of that. Trust completely in the Lord. Submit yourself completely to the Lord. And then in verse 2, and be not conformed to this world. See, that's one of the key points. This world would have you lay out your five-year plan and all your desires of what you want to achieve for yourself and it's all about selfishness shouldn't be that way and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that renewing of the mind comes by submitting yourselves to God that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God which is what we all need to seek, the perfect will of God for our lives. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Getting back into that attitude that we can get when we get into the service for the Lord. When we become a Christian, we start puffing ourselves up, thinking now we are so holy and great and above others and looking down into others, condemning others and like, oh, look at that filthy sinner. They deserve to go to hell. No, that's not for us to do. We got to look at that. Oh, look at that filthy sinner. What can I do to help them? Pray for them, assist them, be a good testimony in front of them, love them because that's our commandment. It's so easy and so simple to just condemn people and say, ooh, look at that person. That must be a reprobate. Ooh, look at how evil they are. Things that are going on in the country today and around the world, it's really easy to condemn an entire people group even. So, oh, they're all a bunch of filthy sinners. Lord ought to just, as they say back in 
in the Vietnam War, nuke them all and let God sort it out. You know, that, that is not our place to do. That is for the Lord to do, not us to do. We are to love everyone. Those are the two great commandments, to love God with all your existence and love others as yourself. That's the key thing. And over in Psalms, looking at our fleeting away life, how short our life is, knowing that we got to get busy. we got to get to work. He's given us this opportunity. Let's take that opportunity. And then how we're just fleeting away like grass in Psalms 103. Peter up verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. It's a good thing that He is slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Otherwise, He's done wiped out this whole planet, especially the way they've been behaving lately. He will not always chide, neither will He keep His anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Because He had, none of us would be here, we'd all be in lake fire. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. That's the beginning of wisdom, is to fear the Lord. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. That is awesome there. That when He cleanses us, when He washes us clean, those sins are washed away as far as the east is from the west. Never bring them back up against you. The Lord will never do that. He'll never bring that back up against you. It's gone, washed away. The devil will sure bring it up against you. Your friends and family will sure bring it up against you. You'll even bring it up against yourself. The devil loves that. He don't have to do much to work because you're doing it yourself. You're beating yourself up because you've stumbled. You've gotten off the straight and narrow. You've sinned. And you're carrying it around as a great burden and it's weighting you down. Well, lift it up and give it to the Lord. Get rid of it. And then you can be in that perfect will of the Lord. And He'll remove that as far as the east is from the west. Verse 13, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear Him. He loves all mankind. For He knoweth our frame, He remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. We know how quick the grass grows and then it's gone. Winter comes along, it's gone. For the wind passeth over it and it is gone. And the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him and His righteousness unto children's children. It just continues. It is to such as keep His covenant and to those that remember His commandments to do them. That remember His commandments to do them. His commandments. It's so simple. We've been given the guideline of the, the Ten Commandments, which help clarify it for us a little bit. We know the Old Testament has some 613 statutes, ordinances, and commandments of the Old Testament. Many are trying to bring those back to the New Testament, which is an error. But the Lord told us a very simplistic way in Matthew chapter 22. We go here quite regularly because this is the key for all of us to follow. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, 
Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. That mind part is probably our biggest challenge, to keep our thoughts on the will of the Lord. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. I love that he included that in there. Let us know that if we truly have this love for others and truly have the love for God, then we're going to be guided by the Holy Ghost and we're going to fulfill all of the commandments. We'll all be contained in that. All of it. If we truly have that love. A challenge, yes, to love others. A challenge that we all face to love others. But that's what we're faced with. That's what we need to do. Hard to do, yes. Sometimes it's very difficult to leave, live peaceable with someone. But as he tells us, as is possible, we're supposed to live peaceably. Sometimes it's not possible, and then you just back off and lift them up and give them to the Lord, pray for them, stay out of the way. Romans chapter 13, verse 9. He clearly tells us here about being it's high time. We need to wake up. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Like we pointed out, you have those two commandments, it covers everything. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. When we truly have that love. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. We're closer to judgment. We're closer to leaving this world. Every moment ticking by, closer to that. So we need to have urgency. We need to wake up because it's high time. The Lord has prepared so much for us. Each and every day He has things prepared for us. Opportunities to reach someone. Opportunities for, to profess you as a Christian to others. To proclaim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Opportunities to say something that's going to change somebody's life. comes upon us every single day. Many times we'll have an encounter with someone... And then shortly after we walk away from that individual, something that will come to our minds like, oh, I should have said this, I should have said that. And you sort of beat yourself up because you didn't do it while you had that opportunity. Well, take that as a learning experience and use it better next time. Because I know you all have probably done that. Like, oh, that would have been a perfect opportunity to invite them to church. Or that would have been a perfect opportunity to tell them about Christ. But you blew it, you missed it. It's gone. Somebody else might get that opportunity to do that and help that individual and receive that reward. You've lost out on that reward. But don't let the devil beat you up and think that you are responsible for someone else's salvation. You are allowed to be a part of the work of someone else's salvation, but you are not responsible for someone else's salvation. Everybody is individually responsible for that. The Holy Ghost is doing the most powerful work. He allows us to be a part of that, 
to join in and do a little bit of it. But don't take it on as being such a heavy burden upon you. Because the Lord told us about that. That His yoke is light. We don't have to carry that burden of responsibility for the salvation of someone else. That's the Holy Ghost doing that. He allows us to be a part of that. Great. We shouldn't create a stumbling block and prevent someone from coming to the Lord because then we're going to be accountable for that, yes. But ultimately, they're responsible for their own behavior. So it's a careful balance there. Don't be an obstacle, but don't think it is all your responsibility whether someone else goes and decides to accept the Lord or not. That ultimately is the Holy Ghost and that individual that's doing that. He allows us to join in on that, which is so awesome. He allows us to be a part of His work. I mean, after all, we don't really qualify. He's the one that qualifies. But He does allow us to be a part of that. Over in 1 Peter, in chapter 1, once again He points out Pick it up in verse 13. It all flows together so well. Where he tells us what's really going on. Where we see that we are born again by the finished work of Jesus Christ. We are washed in His blood. Cleansed by His blood. In 1 Peter chapter 1, pick it up in verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. We know we don't have much time. We need to awake. It's high time. It says, gird up the loins of your mind. It means get your mind right. Focus what's important. The will of the Lord, not your own will. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Boy, that one hits home a lot with people these days. Everybody likes to be plastered on something. Some kind of substance to alter their mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hope to the end. That hope is that confidence that you can receive. That confidence of the fulfilling of the promises and prophecies of God. That's what hope is. When you have that confidence, you know that you're going to be rewarded because you're doing right. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the, the former lust and your ignorance. What you did before you got born again is what he's speaking of. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversations, all manner of interaction with others, be holy. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear, fear of accountability, Fear and respect to the Lord. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by Him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, 
Being born again. Born again. New person. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. We can count on the word. We can stand on the word. We can have assurance of the word. And the word has told us that all we have to do is trust in him, in his finished work, to get things right. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we know we have so much to look forward to. New heaven, new earth, rewards. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that we look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of Him in peace without spot, and blameless. So confess your sins, be found without spot and blameless. Hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Look forward to the many, many rewards that he has in store for us. So much ahead of us as we've been speaking. This time that we're in is flying by so quickly. Be prepared for the next time. The millennial kingdom, and then a thousand years for that to fly by, and then the eternal state. So much ahead of us. So awesome what the Lord has in store for us. Just trust in the Lord. Submit yourselves completely to the Lord. And let us all do that very thing. Completely submit ourselves because we don't know how much more time we have. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank you for your word. It's so awesome. It's so perfect. It gives us exactly what we need. Help all of us to have that desire to dig deep in there, to find the message that we need at the moment that we need it. And encourage us to take that very message and go out and share with others. And we truly thank you for allowing us to be a part of your work. And we truly thank you for your mercy and your forgiveness as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Would please stand.